Okay. Cindy Ong, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Um, it's good. It's Monday morning right here in Malaysia, where I am. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. Well, listen, you're going to be my first uh, attempt at interviewing a master swimmer and um, kind of digging into the whole world of master swimming. It's so intriguing to me, but um, you're a five-time uh, world masters champion from 2019. So I really wanted to start with somebody that's had ultimate success. And um, so you're my first. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Malaysia, for, for those that don't know where Malaysia is, because I'm in America, so Americans don't have a full understanding of the world map. So tell us where Malaysia is. Um, so usually when I tell people where Malaysia is, they don't know. And I'll always say it's between Thailand and Singapore. But yeah, between Thailand and Singapore. The reason why I know it's just above Australia. I grew up in Australia. So have you, have you spent any time in Australia before? Uh, I've only visited, but no, no, I did not. Yeah. I, I went to school in the US actually. Oh, really? Where'd you go? Yeah. I went to Drury University, Springfield, Missouri. Wow. How'd you end up going from <laughs> Malaysia to Drury? Uh, I was in high school and one day I just got a call and, uh, you know, I, I was offered a full ride and I, at that time, I didn't even know what a full ride meant. So I asked my dad, uh, you know, Hey dad, uh, what does full ride mean? And he told me it means everything paid for it. I'm like, yeah, sure. So it was wow. actually my coach who called me I and mean, he found out about me and just gave me a call. And, uh, so you just grown up as a regular swimmer in Malaysia. What age did you start swimming? Ah, I, I probably learned to swim at three and uh, mm -hmm. swam competitively at, I wouldn't say competitive, but I competed my first race uh, at six. I uh, remember it was like a 30 meter butterfly and I swam 30 seconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was at um, five and a half years old, actually it was January, five and a half. Uh, and that was a record that stood until that pool was scra uh, scrapped and converted to a 50 meters. Wow. Uh, so how old did I start swimming? I, I guess I was swimming since I was three, but, um, competitive since like seriously, maybe about 12. Wow. And so swimming is a part of your life all the way through high school. And then I guess you get to the end of high school and then you get this contact from, from Drury. Were Drury you... University is a uh, division two NCAA. Uh huh. Were you, were you contemplating giving up swimming at that point? And then this was kind of like a, a, you know, a way to continue or what was your thought then? Uh, no, it wasn't. So everybody would always ask me if I was going to follow the footsteps of my brother because he, he's also a swimmer and he went to Minnesota, mm. um, go first. Right. So, um, you know, everybody would ask me if I was going. So that's kind of like the pathway that was shaped and I'm, um, kind of put in the spot uh, all the time and no i didn't think about quitting at that time but but of course being a swimmer you know it's always a love-hate relationship with swimming you always you always love swimming but you dread like oh you know certain aspects of it so yeah there's that so what about your experience in college how was that for you um it was actually fantastic i love the school it's a very small school division two Everybody knows everybody, tight knit. Um, coaches always in, in our faces, we're in, we're in coaches' face. Uh, and, and I love that. I love that it is a very small, close knitted community. Um, compared to my brother's experience, I mean, he went to University of Minnesota, where I don't know how many thousands, maybe 20,000 people in school. Mm. 
and uh, there's just no personalization. Um, each class is like 300 people in the auditorium, whereas the school that I went to, you know, we may have as little as five people. So we, we had all the help we needed, um, especially coming from Malaysia where, uh, you know, the mode wasn't really in English uh, and, and the entire system was different. I had no idea uh, on the American curriculum. So it, it definitely helped. What's the official language in Malaysia? Malay. Malay. Yeah, it's uh, similar to Indonesian. Okay. Yeah, did you grow up um, learning English in, in um, high school as well? Um, English was always a subject in school. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a language. So, you know, we're given, I think, two hours a week or so to learn English. Mm. Right. So everybody speaks English, but, uh, you know, it's to what extent do you really speak English? How was your English by the time you got to Drury? I think I was understandable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think. I wonder what everyone else thinks. <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I was made fun of several times. There were certain yeah. words that, that I said and yeah. they were trying to correct me. So yeah, I, yeah. I guess it happens to all international students, you know. Listen, I grew up speaking English in Australia, but everyone, nobody could understand me and everyone made fun of me too. I guess people said they <laughs> liked it, but they couldn't understand me. But yeah, it, it happens. But um, well, then you, you spend your time in college now. I had heard you qualified for the 2004 Olympics. Did you not go? No, I did not. Uh, for some political reasons, uh, you know, probably it's best not to <laughs> disclose. I still like to continue swimming. <laughs> Oh, really? So, yes, so I didn't I, know yeah, that. I, Those political issues. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. um, a strong kind of um, consideration in Malaysia? Like, do, is, is it very political? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just say that it is more political. I guess yeah. it is everywhere uh, in every country is, is rather political, but in Malaysia, things are, yeah. But I've seen you come out, you know, with with speaking out about certain issues, you know, sexual yes. harassment, and then also now yes. you're talking about Ukraine. I mean, you, you seem to have a voice um, within um, the system. Yeah, very, very good question, actually. Um, so right now, what I'm doing is that I'm using uh, my, you know, I have a, a small following, uh, and so I'm just using myself as a platform to voice out issues in the country, within the country, like sexual harassment in the sports industry, um, age discrimination in the sports industry. And the reason why I'm able to do that is because I am no longer under Malaysia. So, you know, it's not like I'm a national swimmer. Um, I'm not under any program. I'm all on my own, um, you know, fully, fully funded self. Uh, and, you know, so... I'm able to speak up, mm. but in the past, you know, during um, times of Olympic, I, I wasn't, I was under their program. Oh, okay. Right. That makes more yeah. sense. So, so now yeah. as a master swimmer, when you compete at the um, world championships, you can basically uh, just represent yourself. Um, okay. So in world champs, uh, it's, it's a club based event. So it's very mm. much like football, you know, someone can be, 
from Germany and represent Manchester or, or, or mm-hmm. Liverpool or, you know, it's, it's club based. So you don't actually represent a country. Mm-hmm. And I represented uh, APSC, which is a club that's registered in Singapore. And so I got a little bit of lashback on that uh, because Malaysians were then calling me trader, you trader. Um, why is there SIN behind your name? And, uh, you know, but I was carrying a Malaysian flag. Uh, it was, it was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, that was my second world champs. My first was in 2017. I swam in Budapest, mm. uh, half a year after the delivery of my third baby. And I thought that just half a year after the delivery of my third baby, I was able to get a fifth placing I, uh, in the hundred free. I was fifth and they award medals up to six. So gold, silver, bronze, mm-hmm. and then, um, fourth to sixth place, you get like a alloy color, like just aluminum mm-hmm. color. Right. Uh, but I was, I was really proud. It was my first race back since, since college. <laughs> It's a very different experience, really different. I had to relearn the sport. Uh, it seemed like swimming progressed so much during the time that I was out of it. Uh, new rules, um, you know, breaststroke change, and it went back and forth. Uh, it's very different. Um, and even, you know, you think about small things like freestyle and butterfly, it's different now compared to when I first learned it in the 80s and 90s. It's, mm. it's different. Right. So, you right. know the whole undulation and fly and now you're everyone's trying to swim a little bit flatter and mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's different a freestyle you want to spin the arms and uh, right yeah so I when you like- decided to come back uh, why did you decide to come back why did you decide to take up master swimming in the first place that that is an awesome question right so i i always say this um i was overweight after my second child i was severely overweight Mm. Um, and you know, I guess it happens to swimmers sometimes when you quit swimming and and you just balloon up. So that kind of happened to me, had my second child and just ballooned up to unbelievable proportion. Um, it's like 20 kilos. So maybe close Mm -hmm. to 50 pounds, maybe 45 pounds bigger than I am now. And, uh, it was quite depressing. So I did the only thing I knew. A lot of swimmers probably can relate. We can't run, can't cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty hopeless, you know. <laughs> so I wanted to lose weight, and I, I did the the one thing that I I do best. I jumped into the pool and I started swimming. And the next thing I know, um, I was, uh, you know, a few swimmers. They went to compete in Singapore and say, hey, you know what? Just join us. And I thought, okay, it's short course. I give it a shot. At that time, when I signed up for a regional race, regional masters race. I didn't even have like uh, a racing goggle. I was using training suit and, and I had to go out and actually buy my first pair of racing goggle because having swum, having swum competitively all these years, everything is sponsored, right? Like you don't go out and buy a pair of goggles. So I had mm-hmm. to go out and, and buy a pair of goggles. To me, that was like a big thing. And I had to go and, and the next race that I did outside of Singapore, I had to buy a race suit. And um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the only, you know, so I went and uh, did the only thing I knew, which was swim. And one thing led to another. So the entire reason why I went back was actually to just lose weight. 
Right, right. Well, it, it uh, progressed into world championships beyond that. So, I mean, pretty astounding. So we individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. For someone that, you know, is is interested in that kind of path, how, how do you go from just losing weight to a world title? Oh, so it's it's been, uh, you know, it's it's been a journey. Uh, when I first started, I was wearing a Garmin watch trying to keep track of how many laps I've done. And, you know, mm -hmm. all that all that stuff that real swimmers don't do. Uh, how many laps you've done, how many calories did you burn? I think people... We don't need to tr keep track of that because there's no specific use of that data to me. Right. I don't know how to use that data. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what if I burn 900 calories today? Does it mean that I can eat 900? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to use that data. So I went from a swimmer like that mm. to then, you know, ditch the watch because the watch, um, water entered that watch and I, I ditched the watch. And then I started signing up for, like I said, the race. So having been a competitive swimmer, I guess it's always there. And I signed up for Singapore and then I signed up for Japan. Uh, so before I knew it, I was racing around Asia and, uh, and started winning. Uh, rubbish times, like really rubbish times. <laughs> but that, but that, that really stirred up that competitiveness within me to want to do better because the last image of myself when i first swam again was the person who qualified for olympics mm. so when i jumped first jumped back into the pool and i tried the best that i could and my times were just ridiculous ridiculously slow i had to come to terms with that first and when i came to terms with that then i i was able to grow and have room to to improve because otherwise coming from that you know i was the best in the country and and then now here i am like 45 pounds overweight and <laughs> not being able when i first went back to swim I, I wasn't able to complete 200 meters straight swim i couldn't mm. couldn't even swim 200 meters non-stop i had to stop wow wow did you so, seek out a coach or did you were you doing this on your own i was all by myself the whole time i wow. never had a coach yeah and i i only swam uh, inside my condo pool. So your question of um, how did I become, you know, I went from overweight to to world champion. Mm -hmm. It's it's all. Um, I guess it's all down to so one is fueled, is driven by that competitiveness within me, and uh, so that kind of opened up the pathway for a lot of things. So I started researching and reading religiously every day. Uh, on the latest and greatest in the sport, what has progressed, what have I missed out in the last 10 years? Uh, mm. and, and, you know, just to 
update myself again and and i started seeing a lot of articles that's being written that and these i don't know but during my time i don't think it existed all these scientific findings mm. and information i it mm -hmm. sorry that's my mom that's walking in the background so uh and and i i fed myself with all these information and uh it was fascinating the more i read about it the more i thought man i've swam all my life and i i really don't know much about swimming mm, and that's mm. and i i went from uh that angle and i just had more thirst to want to learn more about swimming and i i continued reading scientific aspects of everything and then um all of a sudden i I guess I had a breakthrough, maybe if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. I went from training, I would say I averaged about four kilometers a session, down to three, down to two and a half, down to maybe two kilometers a session. Really? Why, why yeah. was the progression down? Like, what were you discovering? I discovered uh, and had an aha moment and I trialed everything with myself first before um, I would apply it so uh, because I'm, I'm my own coach and I design so I have a periodization chart on and I kind of design everything that I want to do for myself mm. uh, personalized one so why down it's because I realized that it made zero difference so one, it made zero difference whether I swam 2K or 4K mm. per session. Um, and two, it's the type of training that that went in. So I wouldn't be doing stuff like, so as a master swimmer, time is luxury. Luxury is time. Right. So I, I, I really can't, you know, churn in 10 sessions a week, uh, morning, evening, morning, evening, two hours a day. I, I can't do that. I've got three kids. So it's got to be down to what's really efficient. And I know that several other master swimmers are doing this as well. They are also training maybe twice a week, three times a week, one hour per session in and out, or maybe lunch break, or, you know, just as, as working adults, we, we don't have the luxury. Right. Right. Hey, Hey, you know what? Maybe this will inspire you to start. <laughs> listen i've honestly thought about it a few times i i really have and actually i was kind of getting serious about this time last year um and and kind of plotting maybe something to come back and then um i just couldn't find the competitive motivation and i'm interested in that question for you so when you say um competitive kind of motivation for you was that a personal competitiveness like did you want were you looking at a time that you wanted to obtain or were you looking at people that you wanted to beat or were you looking at places you wanted to go what was it for you it's a combination i think uh on a personal level that was that time because you know the last memory was me qualifying for the olympics and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden uh uh, you know, now I'm this person who's super slow to yeah. me. Is this super right. slow? Uh, so even though I was winning on a master's level, but it's nowhere near where I was. And so to me, uh, on a personal level, that was that. 
And then uh, just like uh, just like amateur swimming, master swimming also have rankings. So that we've got like world top 10 mm-hmm. ranking, short course, long course in every single event. And that one year before I started, my brother had a top 10 ranking. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I want to do that too. Right. And that's how I started. So right. growing up since childhood, my brother and I have got this, I wouldn't say a sibling rivalry, but it's, it's a form of sibling rivalry that's really healthy. Mm. So like, oh, if he qualified Olympics, I want to qualify Olympics too. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of that. So he, he did, he went to Olympics twice. Oh, right, right. Where does your brother live now? Here in KL. Okay. Does he still compete, swim? No. <laughs> no? Gave it up? No, 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 yeah. So now, now it's, uh, little sister just went beyond, hey? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Now, listen, tell me about um, the training out of the pool. So you're in the pool. Um, you know, you've got it down to about two kilometers. You're in. You're doing exactly what you need. You've got it all periodized. What about outside of the pool? What, what are you doing there? Um, okay, that's another good question. So we're talking about right now, COVID period. Everybody's just uh, working out at home. Uh, I've had to change a lot of stuff since COVID happened and uh, working at home. So I, once again, had to had to really dig and do a lot of research. But there was nothing much that was out there. So I kind of had to develop something on my own. And uh, I don't mind sharing this at all, actually. I did, there was no pool. There was no access to pool for the longest time ever in Malaysia. We, we never opened up swimming pool for like a year and a half before, mm. like before pools were really open. Otherwise it was like uh, open, but with SOP and then pools didn't want to open and then, you know, restrictions. And we were mm. one of the last ones to open. So what I had to do was try to simulate swimming on land and um traditionally we would do stretch cords are you mm-hmm. familiar so there's yep. these bands that you just kind of pull on it mm-hmm. and you try to try to work high elbow try to work on uh, you know finishing of your stroke mm-hmm. but i i thought that okay yeah this this is good but it does not really simulate swimming so if you're working weights in in the weight room um the weight is constant mm-hmm. right whatever, how many, the weight's constant, you're pulling on something like lat pull down, that the weight's constant, but if you're on a band, it gets heavier towards the end. Right. Uh, Which which is kind of similar in swimming because you have, you know, you accelerate in your pull. So I figured that's not enough because I have to introduce something else, another variable that simulates more. So I go on uh, something a little bit more specific and and go more swim specific. So then I introduce, uh, instability into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So then I stand on a little thing that's wobbly. Uh, like a booster ball or something? A, a booster ball is larger. Right. So it's actually more stable. So it's something smaller. Mm. So I started standing on that. So it's, it's unstable because in the water, you know, the water is going to push us in all directions and, and our core is going to stay strong to stay really stable. So I stood on that and did my, um, my courts. And then I progressed to doing standing on that on the court, single legged. 
So wow. then it's, it's even more unstable and you have to have strong focus, strong concentration. And then I added one step further. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> what would you do after that? You're only on one leg now. <laughs> so one leg, of course, I'm a, I bend my body down. So the other leg is mm -hmm. at the back. So body's in the T and I'm pulling on the court. Right. I, I inserted a tempo trainer. So you know that that thing that beep. Yep. So um, I watch all my videos and I match every event's tempo, wow. and and I uh, then have it down to okay. So if I want to work my hundred free, this is how I should be moving my arms. This is wow. the beat. I gotta move it uh, according mm -hmm. to that. And I did that. So um, then I work the courts, heavier resistance, lighter resistance. So if if say on that day I'm I'm trying to simulate training for the hundred free then I'll stand closer. If it's 53, I'll stand further back, like heavy resistance. And then I try to work the cord uh, doing kick. It didn't work so well with the kick, but um, you know, just a whole bunch of swim specific exercises. Uh, if it's push up, I'll try to do push up. And then with a the freestyle, if it's plank, then there's, uh, you know, you plank and you try to plank single arm and put one arm up and try to hold a catch. Um, yep. And so in, in my training, <clears throat> there's, a lot of explosivity mm -hmm. just because, uh, you know, I don't compete in 200 events. Uh, it's 50 and hundred. There, there needs to be a whole lot of explosiveness. So a lot of jumps, a lot of, uh, upper body explosive push up stuff. Uh, wow. Yeah. Do you have uh, any of this kind of put up on your Instagram or anything? I had a little bit of it. Uh, okay. not a whole lot but i had a little bit of it on my instagram okay interesting well i'd like to check it out you know i'm sure there will be other people that want to see some of this stuff because it's very interesting vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch add a few vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout, and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. What about aerobic activity? Do you add in any aerobic activity? No. Minimize that? Yep. Right. Yep. So I, I don't. So even when I'm in the pool, I don't swim laps. Not for leisure, not for training. Um, <clears throat> I just get in and everything is at race pace, uh, get the right tempo um, and train. Yeah, it's. Wow. It's fun. It's actually, it's very fun because it, you can actually see the progress and everybody who follows. So I applied it to myself and I, I noticed that it worked for me. And then I started applying this to my son. He's 11 right now. He's 11. And, but I applied this to him when he was eight and um, he became one of the fastest eight year olds in the country. And he carried that when he was nine and, uh, and then, you know, pandemic happened. Uh, he's got a race next weekend. So I, th I think, I don't know, he may, may still be one of the fastest swimmers in the country for 11-year-olds. Wow. 
So you apply that to your kids now. That's awesome. And and you you have a little group too. Like you you do some coaching. Yes, uh, they're actually my son's uh, friends. Just a small group. I coach them and I apply the same method uh, with pretty good results. So my passion is in coaching little kids, not not necessarily learn to swim, but people who already know how to swim and they're just getting into competitive swimming. And I like to take them from that pre-competitive swimming developmental group and take them up to age group to, you know, 10, 11, 12. And I love that age group because they're just moldable and, and the improvement you see and, and the person they become from someone, anyone who's coached know that, okay, eight year olds, you're going to need a lot of motivation because they don't necessarily want to do it on their own. Uh, some of them do. And it's fantastic. I've got six year olds who want to do it. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, mean, wow. I was just play, playing with Stan at the age of six. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, and, uh, you know, you've got eight year olds, nine year olds who are like just daddy, mommy, taking them and it's more like daddy mommy wants them to do it but transforming that little boy and that little girl who's afraid of the water afraid of swimming and just getting into competitive swimming to a 12 year old who's autonomous now they are the one taking charge and they are the ones who are uh you know leading and, and they're the ones who are like coach what do we do and coach uh, i i love that that is really satisfying for me that's awesome. And and that's pretty unusual that the kids at you know, that age are doing that type of work, which I think, listen, I've been an advocate for this type of work because it, it's engaging for kids. It's fun for them. Um, it hopefully will keep them in the sport longer too. So, you know, there's yeah. been this old school method of coaching kids for years and years that's just been handed down. This to me is kind of like cutting edge. I think it's exciting that you're, you know, experimenting in this field. Yeah, I um, so for one, I, I just want to clarify, I'm actually a true, um, I challenge conventions. I don't like conventions. And this mm -hmm. has been just me personally, Cindy, all my life since I was young. You know, I'd always get into trouble just because I, I want to test the boundaries. I want right. to, I just, I don't accept things as they are. I, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily like to accept things as they are. And I try to just challenge that a little bit further and ask questions. Why? So in my head, when I got back to master swimming, I mean, I, I couldn't control this when I was younger and, and being a swimmer at that time in that environment back then, I didn't have a brain to think because everything was fed to me. I mm. had coaches, right? I trained under one coach and then the next coach and the next coach, mm -hmm. you move and you move and you move. Everything is fed to me. And you mm -hmm. see that coach's success. You see other swimmers success and you just kind of follow along that path. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there's no thinking process. Right. Um, but as a coach myself, and then, and then I started swimming, I had to think as a master swimmer, how do I strategically train for the best, for myself? How do right. I train? Because I've got limited time, limited resources, uh, and uh, everything's limited, basically. So how do I maximize every single training session and... Uh, and then I started challenging conventions where I, I started cutting down. Like I said, I cut from 4K to 3K to 2K. And how did I do that? I stopped, I stopped training anything more than 100 meters. I, I, don't do, I, don't, I don't actually do more than three 100s if I were to swim 100. Wow. So if I were to do, if I do, um, I'm a flyer and I love fly. So if I want to train fly, it would be more like doing... 70 by 25 fly at 100 race pace, 
holding mm. hundred hundred fly hundred fly tempo with uh, you know that compared to or like like you know three rounds of twenty by twenty five compared to like thirty by hundred fifty fly fifty three kind of right. stuff. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit more um, specific. Right. Yeah, and uh, so I stop doing stuff. I challenge, and I, I always ask, why are why am I doing ten two hundreds? Because when I first started swimming, and to lose weight, I was doing mm -hmm. stuff like ten three hundreds, mm -hmm. and that was my ultimate. I, I would feel really proud of myself for completing ten three hundreds. But then I started questioning: Do I really need three hundred? Because I'm only going to compete fifty. So then I looked at MMA and uh, you know they they fight, uh, but their training method is is not like that. And and then you look at um, sprinters like running mm -hmm. sprinting, mm -hmm. they 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 sprint, but they don't like marathon runners don't run a marathon before the marathon. Right, right. No, listen, I I believe very similar philosophy to you. I think we're on the same page with this. Uh, I, I'm kind of out of the box too, in in a way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I coach sprinters, uh, and so I, I, I'm very much a min minimalist as well, but uh, a maximalist in terms of the quality of the work that we want to do, and the, absolutely, and, and the time that we're putting in. You know, you want to maximize that time, but um, so I feel that way. But uh, yeah, yeah I can, absolutely. I can, and there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this now that master swimmers. What about this question then? You know, like as as a kind of an older athlete let's say i'm talking about myself now and i want to get back into swimming how do i get through those days where i where there's a lot going on you know your kids are doing this and this is and the work's happening and then you've got meetings and then but you know you got to put your training in but then you get to that point where it's like ah oh, you know maybe i'll just do it later do you, do you get to that point uh, so brett of course we are all adults right we we have our days but let me honestly ask you this question mm -hmm. and you've got to answer me mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> do you think you will feel better or worse after the swim always better yeah there you go always always better yeah always better yeah. But, uh, always better it's it even as an amateur swimmer right. in college you you have those days mm -hmm. and you really don't want to you really don't want to go for practice right but then you wake up in the morning. You really don't want to wake up. Oh, it's cold, and you want to stay in bed. And but you, you know what? At the end of the day, you woke up. You you went practice, and you're happy that you went. True. I guess you got to have a, a firm, fixed goal too. Of like, this is what I'm aiming for. Because without it, without a goal, without an aim, it's too easy for the excuse to come in, right? Y yes, yes. But all, I also notice um, for myself that if I have a fixed training schedule. Right. And I fix it. And so that's, that's, that's that. Everything has to revolve around that mm. rather, rather than, ah, oh, if I have time, I'll go swim. Oh, if I don't okay. have time. So if I do that, I, I used to do that, then right. it never happens. They right. never in a pool. So you have to allocate that right. and make, you know, and tell yourself by hook or by crook, these are the times and it helps to find someone to swim with you. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're, they're accountable. You have to show up by hook yeah. or by crook. Yeah. So yeah. I organized free swimming class, like not, not swimming class, but free training sessions for masters. And mm -hmm. I welcome everybody, anybody who's willing to put in the time with me, anyone who's willing to listen to me talk about swimming. So I've got like 70 year old man and uh, you know, younger to 70 year old, the entire range of people who are just willing to show up. And because of that, and I was the one who asked them to show up, I was accountable. And, wow. um, 
you know, obviously I, I was the fastest and it's always a challenge trying to find someone to swim with me. Uh, but it, it didn't deter me. That's how I started. And it kept me accountable and consistent. And I think that's what you need to start. Right, right. What are you, what are you most proud of about yourself in terms of a, a quality? What, what do you mean? Oh, you know, oh, like, like, like determination. Yeah. I mean, disciplined, um, you know, I don't know what, I guess that's, you're just determined. So once you put your mind to something, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. If, if I, if I don't want it, that's then, then it'll never happen. But if right. I actually put my mind to it, then I'll, I'll make sure it happens. When did you decide you wanted to be a world champion? Um, after I, I got that uh, fifth placing in Budapest, actually. Mm, okay. Yeah, because I thought, okay, if uh, half a year after the del delivery of my third child, I was able to land a fifth place medal, mm -hmm. uh, what would two years of training take me? Right. And I saw those people with their country flag standing on a podium. Um, it was grand. I mean, it was world champs, same uh, venue as world champs. And uh, it was just two weeks after. So world masters champs is two weeks after world champs. And uh, it, it was really grand. And I, I felt like, you know, the, the urge was there. And so I put my heart into two years worth of training right. and uh, oh. I ended up with five goals, two silvers. Wow. I don't really talk about the two silvers because you know, to me, it's the first loser. <laughs> <laughs> that's the attitude there okay <laughs> uh you got a silver in the 53 i saw that um yeah 53 i yeah wasn't quite okay. happy with that do you do you know your competitors like do you know them well do you study them do you you know you you know not, not really not no. really i i think uh having swam in the masters arena i'm i'm pretty i'm a newbie because i only started like a few years ago like three mm. four maybe four mm -hmm. years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't competed in the last two years. How many years now? How many years are we in COVID? I, I can't yeah. keep track. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm a newbie. I don't, I, I do have friends in the community, but, um, you know, I don't necessarily study them right. yet. Right. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. Now I, I heard the world championships were meant to happen in uh, May, I believe, uh, and they got postponed to the following yeah. year. Yeah. 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 It's boo. It's a no go this year. So nothing this year. It's supposed to be in uh, Fukuoka, Japan. Fukuoka, Japan. Yes. Uh, and they're just not ready to host it. So they're saying next year. Wow. Is that something you think you'll, you'll aim to go to? Um, I, <clears throat> I don't know yet. As of now, I can't confirm if I'm going next year because um, I will be at the top of my age group. I'll be the oldest next year. And uh, I, you know, there are some other factors as well. I just don't know if I'm able to go next year. But you're a defending champion, right? You've got to, you've got to defend maybe. <laughs> people want to people want to race you now they're like okay now they know who you are you might not know exactly. who they are but they know who you exactly. are exactly when you're on top everybody wants to race yeah, you yeah exactly. everybody wants to beat you <laughs> swim angelfish swim angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities swim angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more.
Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Now, listen, I did see an interesting story where uh, your daughter, Kiara, has um, some crazy IQ. Is she like some sort of genius or something? <laughs> what is this? She got an IQ of 165 or something? <laughs> yeah, so we decided to get her tested because she is a little, um, I don't, a little special, not, not special, need special, but she's special in her own ways. Mm. And um, at the age of six, she actually finished reading the entire Harry Potter series. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when people, when people are learning how to read, like, cat, she basically read the entire series of Harry Potter. Wow. And, and, and when she was doing that, I didn't really think anything about it, but until after, and I'm like, yeah, you know, when my son was that age, he was just learning how to read cat. This is a cat. And, mm. uh, and then, and then my friend's kids, you're like, no, it's not normal. Wow. And then I realized, yeah, because when she was like one and a half, she was saying things like, mommy, I want to go home. She was stringing like five, six words, sentences together. Wow. And so a uh, little bit unusual um so we decided to get her tested and she came back at 165 uh so what does that. it mean exactly like once you get that result back um, um like, oh yeah, yeah. Good, good question Tell okay me. another reason why um we actually got her tested is because she she was uh, enrolled in a government school in malaysia so in malaysia we've got government school we've got private school and we've got international school so there's like and, and there are others as well, but these are the three main ones. And she was enrolled in a government education institution. And uh, in this government schooling system in Malaysia, it's very standardized. Wow. So there's no, no movement at all. You cannot move. Everybody moves like as a tuna can, a sardine can. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and she was doodling all over the sofa. It was online class and she could not focus in her class because um, her class was teaching phonics and, and there she was completely bored out of her mind and doodling on mm. my sofa on the, on the table and just like halfway in the class, she would be like this and you'd, mm. see her, you'd see her like this. And I, I just thought something's not right. So I decided to get it tested and, it, and when it came out this high, we spoke to the school and the school said that they couldn't do anything about it to advance her or to put her in a class where um, because she, she wasn't moving in tandem. Like she's really, 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 really good verbally, but mathematics is not as good, mm -hmm. you know, but the school couldn't do anything about it to adjust. And we needed something to cater to her development, mm -hmm. her developmental needs. And so we pulled her out of the government school and uh, actually put her in a, a homeschool. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. so who's responsible for that? Do you have someone come in or do you oh, actually? Oh, no, it's a, it's an institution. They right. call it homeschool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where, right. right. So, uh, you know, they're, um, yeah, she's a lot happier, mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, she's doing, she's doing progressing, well. progressing better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just more engaged, you know, right. uh, and uh, I had to put my son, I put my son out and put him in the same school as well, because he on, he's the flip side. Right. He's uh, not, he's not like he's fifth grade, but uh, at that time he was not actually following. He was not doing so well in school. So mm -hmm. we pulled him out. And so this smaller classroom homeschool setting 
uh, English medium. Previously, it was in a Chinese medium school, so now English medium school, and they're doing a lot better. Wow! So both kids, they're four years apart, but in in school, they're actually only two years apart. Oh wow! Yeah. Do they speak multiple languages as well? Yes, it's a norm in Malaysia. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now, listen. I just want to finish up here. I noticed. Uh, I see you launched some uh, NFTs uh, just in the last couple of days. Tell me what's going on with that. Oh, that's actually um, a pet project of mine. I've been wanting to launch uh, my own NFT. Uh, I think I am the first sports person in Malaysia to launch this, and it's actually not launched yet. I'll launch it on the twentieth this month. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be on OpenSea and I've always wanted to do this. So it's basically like a personal um, pet project of mine. And, and then the war broke out. Uh, so I decided to um, uh, pledge some of the proceeds to donate to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So I've got wow. a, a few um, auction items that I will um, hopefully gather enough uh, to send to Ukraine. So I met up with the ambassador, the Ukrainian ambassador here in Malaysia. And I uh, spoke to him, and he's very supportive for, uh, of the course. Oh, very and cool! So yeah, that's that's the NFT program. Uh, um, so nine hundred and ninety nine photos of myself, very private photos that previously only resided in my phone. So now I'm going to release it out, and uh, you know, hopefully, this is also more of a empowerment um, project. Where I'm not sure if you've seen I was very outspoken on sexual harassment and mm. I was harassed when I was younger mm-hmm. so this is something where uh, it, it's a very it's private photos of myself but but the message that I'm sending across is that I get to decide what I want to put out there right like I am in charge uh, right yeah I, I love that I love that for those that don't exactly know what nft is what t- tell us quickly what that is it's a unique token it can be anything can be a record can be I mean, like a, a song record can be a photo of, of a flower. It can be something you just made up. It's just a, um, and this exists in the metaverse. So it's not actually real, but it gives you ownership of one specific, it's non-fungible token. So you are um, the owner. It's like, um, you know, collectible items like Star right. Wars posters, for example. Right. And then they only release, say, a hundred copies. And, and on the bottom of the hundred copies, you have the certificate of authenticity. To say mm. that you are the, the the owner, so these NFTs, um, it's all on blockchain. So who's the first owner, second owner, third owner? It's it's all stacked, and you cannot amend, you cannot edit. Uh, it's you can say that you know you are the one specific owner of this item. So how another people, person. I was going to yeah. say, how will people be able to access your NFTs? Oh, it's on OpenSea. They can search oh. uh, Cindy Ong Swimmer. OpenSea, Cindy Ong Swimmer. Okay. Yeah. What it's, about it's um, not out yet? Okay. It's yeah. Twentieth. Uh, what about social media? Just uh, let us know where people can find you as well. Oh, I'm, I'm Cindy Ong Swimmer. Cindy underscore Ong underscore Swimmer on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate this. This has been uh, interesting. Uh, like I said, my first Master Swimmer, I'm, I'm trying to discover new questions and uh, and you've, you've opened up a whole new world for me. So um, congratulations on your success and um, and your continued success and good luck with everything, okay? Thank you very much for inviting me to the show, Brett. Absolutely. Thanks, Cindy. Take care. Bye. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. 
There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.